So we start this new series, and uh, it is great to see all of you here, those of you that are here in the room with us, those of you that are online, and uh, those of you that are uh, joining us in our chapel service. So it's great to have you all. And as uh, we think about this new series, um, uh, you know, the tagline, Address the Mess. Uh, I've got a question for you. How many of you have ever heard of Marie Kondo? Only like half of you, right? And I'm going to ask you to start the clock here. Everyone in the room will want them to start the clock on here. Okay. Um, so Marie Kondo, like uh, years ago, like she started this uh, uh, fad that just went around the world uh, on how to reorganize uh, your closets in your house and declutter and go through uh, all of this, uh, all of your stuff uh, in there. And uh, Angie started watching some of her uh, videos and uh, got all excited about this and started pulling me into this, uh, this thing. And so we were watching one of her uh, videos, I think it was on YouTube, and Marie Kondo, she's from Japan. And uh, the first thing she does is she says, and my mission is to spark joy into the world through cleaning, all right? And so my first thing is like, <laughs> that's kind of an oxymoron, right? <laughs> Really, we're gonna spark joy into the world? I think of a lot of better ways to go to spark joy into the world, right? Um, and so Angie kind of had an uphill challenge uh, with me uh, in this. Uh, but uh, we started doing some of the stuff and one of the first places we started was like with our closet. And I had this big shelf with all of these pants. And so I'm like, okay, so I'll start going through all of this, uh, my pants on this shelf and figuring all of this stuff out. And you learn like new ways to fold it and everything. And um, I almost, I almost brought some pants in here just to show you how I fold my pants now. But I thought we shouldn't be taking up minutes in the sermon while I fold my pants. We, we just, you know. That's a little ancillary. Okay. Um, so, uh, but I will say this, you know, I, I don't, I, I think as far as sparking joy in the world, like that uh, to each person unto their own, how much joy is sparked into their world uh, for cleaning. But I will say this, the process itself uh, was, it's really good at gaining a kind of honest and realistic look at what you have uh, and even how you use it and, and what you feel about it. So like with my, my shelf of all my pants, like all of a sudden I started realizing, kind of going through this process, I'm like, I like, I've got pants here that I've been looking at that like, and probably were looking for and they were right in front of me and I never saw them because I'm just like moving around all the time. And it's, and it's not that it, you know, it wasn't like a, a episode of hoarders or something in our closet, you know, but it's just, it was cluttered and it's just kind of going through it all. And I found pants that were like, had all these worn out pants that I just was hanging on to. Cause I was like, well, I'll use those for work pants. And yeah, I'll use those for work. Oh, I've got more than enough pants that I can use for work pants and pants that were out of style that I'm never going to wear again. But it's like, but they're still good. I, you know, I shouldn't throw them away, but I'm never going to wear them again. And, but I just kept hanging on to them and they didn't serve me very well, but I kept hanging on to them. And there was something about that process of decluttering it that like was actually really beneficial uh, in all of this. Um, and, you know, and then I had to admit that to Angie that, you know, that, you know, th through that whole thing. But here's why I bring up this example. Um, because in this series, we're going to talk a lot about our spiritual lives and we're going to talk a lot about our souls. And I'll talk more about what our soul is here 
in a little bit. Uh, but as, we, as you think about like decluttering anything, I want you to think for a moment about your life, about your own soul, your, your own being. And, and here's what I wonder about this. I wonder how many of us in some way, like our inner life is a little bit like that shelf of my pants, right? And I know that's kind of a weird illustration to use here, but it's a little cluttered and there are things there that you just miss and don't see just because of the clutter. And there's things that you're hanging on to and they're not necessarily a bad thing, but they just don't serve you well. And the clutter itself keeps you from, from really living the way you would want to live maybe in this and that you feel that. Um, metaphorically speaking, it's, it's like maybe in your own personal life, it's like you have pants that you can't find even though they're right in front of you. You have pants with holes in them or they're ripped and they're not any good anymore, but you just, you're kind of still hanging on to them all the while you can't find some of the stuff that you want to find or access or use. And it's, it's not something terrible. It's just, it's creating this clutter that is beginning to impact your life. And it's just time to like address the mess a little bit in your own personal lives, in your inner life, if you will. Um, you, know, you can begin to see, or you can begin to know that you've got clutter in your inner life uh, when you start feeling like you're being pulled in like 10 different uh, directions. Um, and I think about, you know, even talking with someone recently and it's just describing just like, I, like, I feel like I've got this to do and that to do. And I just, and it's like, and you're just trying to navigate all the priorities and it's just, it feels like life gets front, uh, frantic and hectic. Um, or it feels like you've got all of these competing voices and that sense of just like, okay, it's getting hard to just understand like which voice is God's voice and which voice is authentically my voice versus just static, right? I wonder how many of you just, there are moments where you're just like, it's just, is that God trying to tell me something here? Or is it just me? Or is it like, like what's going on in this moment, right? That's, that's evidence of maybe your, your, your inner being, your soul is a little cluttered. Or you just feel hurried and anxious and exhausted, right? Exhausted in in your inner life. It's not like I just need to take a nap, right? But it's like you wake up in the morning after you've had a good night's sleep and you're like, you wake up and you're just like, I feel kind of exhausted a little bit. Ever have that happen, right? And it's not because you need to sleep more. It's just, there's something cluttered within inside of you. And so I say all of that to say, maybe it's, there's just a part of your of your inner life, of your soul that just needs to be decluttered a little bit. And that's what this series is about. And so as we begin to talk about that, there, there's um, a couple of things that I think become really important before I dive into the heart of this message. Um, and the first thing is this. Um, if, if you wanna begin decluttering your soul a little bit, um, you have to understand that our soul needs rest 
from the kind of tug of war that we feel within. So when I was describing all of those things, you know, one way to describe all of that is there can be this kind of tug of war that goes on within us. It's uh, interesting. The Bible has a lot to say about this. And if you want, you can pull out your Bibles. Um, but l- let me warn you, I'm going to fly through a bunch of different passages uh, this morning. And so if you don't have a chance to just turn to every single one of them, know that we'll put them up on the screens uh, here and, and you'll be able to, to read them. But I'm going I'm to fly through a number of different passages here. So um, Jesus makes uh, this comment in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 uh, he says this in verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And uh, this word yoke is a, is a rabbinic word. It was used to describe the teaching of a rabbi in its practical use. So a rabbi had a yoke and, and it was how you lived out the teaching of this rabbi. And so all Jesus is saying is, what you've heard me teach and explain like, live that out. There, there's a way to live that out. That, that's all he's saying here, but, but it's what he says after this. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for what? Your souls. Rest for your souls. I want you to just think about those words for a moment. Don't pass over this too quickly. Rest for your souls. Imagine... Imagine what it would be like to wake up in the morning and just feel a calm within, right? As you go to get your coffee or your tea, right? You just imagine your inner being filled with a kind of calm or poise, um, a unhurried kind of poise, just washed over with that sense of it. Now, others of you may go, oh, that sounds boring. (laughs) <laughs> you're, not, you're not longing for that. But maybe for some of you, what you would love is to wake up in the morning and imagine this. I, it's like I have energy for the day. I'm not, I'm not like, just like, oh, oh, here are the things I have to, imagine what it would be like to wake up in the morning and just go, you know, I'm excited about my day. I'm excited about the challenges. Like I, I've got something to bring to the challenges of this day. There is something that God has put on my heart that I want to accomplish. There's something relationally that I want to engage in. There's gifts that I have that I want to give away. There's something for me to do and experience this day. Wouldn't you love to experience that? Because I think sometimes when our souls become cluttered, we lose that. The day becomes the thing that we just have to get through or find energy to get through. And we don't want that for you. Like that, in fact, if I could say the mission of this series for us is that you would experience more days, more mornings like that, that there would be less clutter in your inner life and you could come, uh, you could meet every day with a kind of calmness and energy that I think God wants for you in this. Second thing, second thing before we dive into all of this is this. We need to understand how God made us. And here's why I say this, right? We just read these words from Jesus and he says, I want you, you know, find rest in your souls. When he says in your souls, he's not just randomly picking some word. He's not just 
picking a word and substituting it for, you know, your life or your being, or, or instead of using the pronoun you, he decided to say souls. When he says souls, he is using a precise word that is so rich and loaded with meaning. And we've lost some of that in our world uh, today. He is using a word here that is, um, it begins with understanding that you are a reflection of God. You were created in God's image. You are a unique reflection in that and multifaceted. So here's where I wanna go this morning. I wanna start by just looking at who we are as soul creatures and then begin to unpack how we can start, based on that, how we can start decluttering our lives a little bit. So I want you to think about this word soul for a minute here. Um, again, rich with, uh, with meaning. And what's interesting in our world is uh, that this word occurs a lot in the Bible. Um, and, and yet, in, Western, in our Western mindset, we've lost the meaning of it. And so you even see this reflected in translations. So if you go back to an old translation, um, like uh, the King James, uh, it will use the word soul well over 500 times uh, in the Bible. Um, and including in the New Testament. In the New Testament, uh, the Greek word for soul is suke. Um, in fact, uh, when you transliterate it, um, it looks like this. Remind you of anything? Yeah, psyche or psychological. And uh, when they were trying to figure out a word, to, you know, for the discipline of psychology, they, came, they used the Greek word for soul because they understood it to capture this deeper, richer understanding, a more holistic understanding of human beings. But as we've lost that in our culture, um, more modern translations have gotten away from using it. In fact, uh, the, uh, the New King James Version uh, uses the word soul like uh, barely 300 times. When you get to a more modern translation like the NIV or the ESV, um, it doesn't even use the word soul um, 150 times. Think about that. And part of the reason is we've just lost the meaning of it. So can we just like take a little bit of time and understand what the Bible means when it uses this word, suke. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep this fairly simple. I'm gonna keep it to like three parts here. The first part to understand soul is that we all have a heart, right? And you're like, okay, yes, I understand that. But heart from a biblical understanding, especially from the New Testament, I'm gonna give you the New Testament perspective on this, uh, is it is all about um, uh, your deepest, beliefs, oops, and values, okay? Your deepest beliefs and values. These are the beliefs and values that, that you center your life on. They are at work in you even when you're not aware of it because it is just the way you think life works. Um, it, it has a profound effect on your motives and your desires, okay? This is where our motives and desires come from, is our heart. Um, a biblical example of this is found uh, in Matthew 18, verse 35. Um, 
uh, Jesus uh, says this. He's talking to his followers about how he wants them to forgive one another. And he says, he says this in verse 35. Um, he simply says, uh, forgive your brother or sister from your heart, he says. And he's getting at something here. What he's saying is, uh, I don't want you to just say the words. I want, you to for, I want you to forgive them from the deepest part of your values and your beliefs. Um, uh, simple illustration of this, you know, uh, when our kids were younger, uh, there were moments uh, when they would uh, hurt one another's feelings, right? And uh, Angie and I, of course, would want them to like grow in learning how to forgive one another. And I'm sure this never happened in your family, like when you were raising your kids. Um, but in our family, right, uh, there would be moments where they would be kind of reluctant to forgive their brother or their sister, right? Or they would forgive them like, I forgive you, right? And Angie and I would look at that and it's just like, okay, we'll take that. But it's really not coming from their heart right? They didn't value that. They were doing it because mom or dad were making them do that, right? And what Jesus is getting at here in this moment is when you forgive someone here, like what Jesus longed for was like, I want you to do it from this deeper place. I want you to value it, not just say the words, right? That's your heart. That's your heart. Now, another part uh, that's very important to us is uh, what the Bible would call our mind. And oftentimes when we think of our mind, we think of the logical, cognitive thinking part of us. And it is that, but from a New Testament perspective, it is the thinking part of you, but it is also the feeling part of you. Um, in the New Testament, it, it is the combination of those things because another way to think of it is, it is the, the thoughts that you have, and I don't know why I just did that. It is the thoughts that you have connected to the emotions with that. And I'm not sure why we're getting yellow and blue right now, but we're, it's, it's happening. It's, it's like magic. Let's see if that helps. Okay. Um, it's, it is, it's understanding from a New Testament perspective that your thoughts can have an effect on your emotions. Sometimes your emotions will cause you to have particular thoughts and beliefs, uh, not these deepest beliefs, but these beliefs at, a, at another uh, level at this. An example of this, uh, one time Jesus is trying to prepare some of his followers for when they're going to face some opposition. And so as he's trying to instruct them, uh, this is found in Luke, in verse 14, he says this to them. He says, but make up your mind. So he's talking about mind here. He says, make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, right? And so he understands like there's this emotion they're gonna have that is uh, worry in all of this, but, but he understands it, that it's connected to the thoughts because maybe if they can, have some different thoughts about it, oops, it will lead to some different emotions in all of this. And so there's a part of your mind that is the thinking and feeling part of who you are. One last area to your soul, and that is your spirit, right? Bible talks a lot about you have a spirit and your spirit is your connection to God. As a human being made in the image of God, God created you as a spiritual being. 
beyond just the physical you and even beyond the intellectual you, you are a spiritual being with the ability to connect uniquely with God. That's how he made you. An example out of the Bible uh, is the very end of the God, or excuse me, the very end of the first chapter of Luke. It's talking about John the Baptist uh, coming onto the scene. And it talks about him at a very young age. And it says this, uh, verse 80 says, and this is of John the Baptist. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And what Luke is conveying here is something very precise that he wants us to know about John the Baptist. It's not just, you know, he's not trying to say that John the Baptist um, was very strong in his values, let's say. He probably was. In fact, we know he was. But that's not the point of what verse 80 is saying. What he's conveying here is even at an early age, John the Baptist was very strong in his connection to God. He was hearing God's voice, could discern God's voice with great clarity. You see, see when the Bible talks about you have a soul, more than saying you have a soul, it's like it's saying you are a soul. See, your soul is the integration of all of these different parts. It is the integration of how your heart affects your mind and how your connection with God can affect your mind and your heart and how all of this begins working together. You are a very deep individual, right? If you didn't know that before you came in this morning, right, right now you should go, wow, there's a lot of depth and a lot of complexity, right? You're the integration of all of these parts. Uh, another way to think about that just a little bit, it would be this. As you are an integration of all those parts, your soul is the essence of what makes you, you. If you go and have surgery this week and they open you up, there's no place where they go, there's, right? That's, that's the soul because it is the integration of your heart, mind, and spirit coming together that makes you, you, who you are, see? Now, here's why this is so important, friends is because um, if you miss the essence of what makes you, you, your life is like up for grabs to the loudest voice. Your life is up to grabs for whatever pulls on it the hardest. And the thing that pulls on your life the hardest, friends, good chance it's not the best thing in the world for you. And so beginning to understand who you really are as a soul creature and beginning to declutter what can happen in our souls and that tug of war and what we experience is, is like a necessity. Like it, like it will breathe new life and energy and poise into your life. So let's talk about... Um, how do we declutter our soul? And what I'm gonna do with the rest of the time I have here this morning is I'm gonna talk about one aspect and that is our hearts. I wanna talk about our hearts in this. And in the following weeks, we're gonna talk about mind and spirit so that as we get through this series, we will not only know better how we're made, 
but how we can declutter, how we can live in that kind of beautiful integration of all those different things that God created in and with you. So let's talk about heart for just a little bit here. Um, when it comes to our heart and when our heart gets kind of cluttered up, maybe one of the the first ways we really begin to experience our heart being cluttered is what I'm gonna talk about is this kind of tug of war, right? I talked about this a little bit earlier in my message, but this inner sense of tug of war, of tug of war that is going on. And it's within those deeper beliefs and values that are all in there. Uh, maybe one of the best descriptions in the Bible about a heart that is struggling in that kind of tug of war comes from Paul when he talks about his own struggle in his own life. Uh, this is found in Romans chapter seven. Romans chapter seven, he says this in verse 15, and he's speaking about himself. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do, right? Ever feel like that? Ever feel like, man, there's something I value. It's deep and I believe this. And yet I don't do it, Right? We've all experienced that or a moment where you're just like, oh, I don't like this and I don't want to be that way. And then you find yourself doing that. And it's like you're in this terrible tug of war, right? Ever, ever been at that place where like, how many times have you ever seen something, love your parents, but you're like, but I'm never going to do that. I'm not going to be my parents in that way. And then you find yourself, right? Raising your own kids or your grandkids and you say something, maybe, maybe it's like, I, I'm just, I'm not going to pressure my kids the way my parents pressured me. And then, you know, you see one of your kids' report cards and, you, and all of a sudden you're talking to your kid about the report card and you see the look on their face and you're like, oh my gosh, that was, that's what I felt when I was pressured by my parents. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm such a bad parent. You're getting tugged this way. And then you're just like, oh but I'm a bad parent because I should be encouraging and pushing my kids to do well and help them become all they can become. And then just like, now you're feeling guilty about, you know, not pushing on your kids enough. And then you feel guilty that you push too hard and just gotta like go back and forth, right? That's a heart that's got a lot of clutter in it. And we've all experienced that, right? Um, or you're just, you know, busy. How many times have you found yourself so busy, so frantic, and you're just like, right? I'm not going to do this anymore. Get out the calendar. I'm going to straighten out my life. I'm going to get organized here. You know, and how many times have you done that? And it's how many decades later, and you're just like, you find yourself still in that place. How many of you are dating and you've promised yourself this time, I'm going to date someone. You know, they don't have to be perfect, but I'm going to date someone who's just healthy and kind, and they'll be nice to me and not gonna get, you know, this weird, strange thing. And yet, here you are again in a relationship that's like a fixer-upper relationship, right? You know what I mean by that? It's just like, here you are, why did I do this? And it's this kind of tug of war. I wonder how many of you that are teenagers here that are here or listening to this and you're just like, I want to be more responsible as I step into adulthood. I wanna do a better job of being that young adult and you know, living my life out. And, and your friends, 
like, you're just like, man, I've got all my friends are like, they bring out the worst in me, right? They love the worst in me and they bring out the worst in me, right? And it's this kind of tug of war. And maybe the question you're asking, I know I have asked this question is, like, how does this happen? What, like, like if, if these things matter to me so much, why do, I get, why do I keep getting pulled into this kind of tug of war? Well, maybe, maybe it's because you don't know your heart as well as you might think. See, there's this great truth to our heart. We don't always know our heart as well as we think we do. The writer in Proverbs was really wise to this. Proverbs chapter 20 uh, addresses this. And he says in verse uh, five of chapter 20, he says, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. And of course, what he means by that is there is a kind of depth, right? Your heart is fathoms deep and you don't always know everything going on in your heart. In fact, I think I've come to believe in my own journey with God that there's far more I am not aware of in my own heart than what I am aware of in it. There was a theologian and author from a century and a half back, Dostoevsky who wrote a number of things, but he wrote uh, some short essays uh, on theology and he captures this really well uh, when, he, when he talks about the kinds of secrets that he keeps. And he says, every man has secrets. He will only tell his closest friends. He says, but, but he has other secrets which he will not even reveal to those friends, but only to himself. And then here is the, deepest insight that Dostoevsky speaks of here is he goes, finally, there are secrets which a man is even afraid to tell himself. And that's part of what the psalmist is getting at. There's things that we don't see ourselves. Um, somewhere in my marriage uh, going along, there became kind of this inner struggle that I started to notice. I felt this kind of tug of war. You know, I've never been a guy that likes uh, conflict. Don't really enjoy it, but it's a part of life. I know that, I understand that. But there'd be these moments in my marriage. And if you would have asked me like, Glenn, is it okay to have conflict in marriage? And I'd say, of course it is. Mar marriage is a conflict making machine, right? The way Dairy Queen makes ice cream, marriage makes conflict, right? That is just, <laughs> that's what marriage is. And yet there'd be these moments and not like terrible moments. I was just, I, I could feel conflict coming up and I would just avoid it. I, I, would, I would withhold in these moments and it just, just kind of happened. I just, in a more kind of reactive way, I just, I would stay away from it. And it got to the point where it just, and I didn't notice it at first, but it got to the point where I could sense that it was affecting things. Like Angie would bring something up and I would start having, like I could just like worry or fear, just like I, just, I, I, like I wouldn't want to talk about this subject because I just knew it was going to. And so I would just like, 
I would do whatever I could to just like get out of this moment. And it got to the point where I could tell Angie even knew it. She's, my wife is very intuitive. And so she would like start, like she wouldn't let it go. Like she'd start just like, and I'm like, just like, why are you doing this? And now I'm like frustrated. And then I realized I was becoming kind of resentful of, of her. Like, why are you, do you like, I feel like you're picking a fight with me. One time she said, yes, I want to see if you'll fight with me. And I'm like, why would you want to do that? Right. And it just, there was just like this profound sense of being so uncomfortable with this. But the thing that I think I started to feel even more uncomfortable with was, right, this is the person that I want to be closest to in life, right? And yet, like, there's this part of me that is avoiding, and, and I didn't, like, know what to do with this. There was, like, this tug of war. And our relationship was becoming more inauthentic is there was this part of me thinking I'm doing the right thing or doing this thing that I need. But the truth was that I didn't see right away was there was something in me that's just terrified about if Angie's not okay with me, like, and I know logically this is not true, but what, it, what I was experiencing it as deep down is like, I just don't know if the sun's gonna come up tomorrow. I don't know if life goes on if Angie's not okay with me. And so I'll, I'll be at peace at all costs. And you know, that just never works in a marriage, does it? Because it leads you to a place of inauthenticity, see? Because there are some secrets that I wouldn't even tell myself. Like, I'm not okay with the possibility of like this kind of conflict between Angie and I. And what happens in those moments is that it's like a part of your heart, right? If this is, this is your heart, right? And then, you know, there's your mind and your actions. It, it starts pushing on your mind and you start saying things and living it out in ways that you don't want to live it out. Like... Um, I realized that I was reacting typically in one of three ways. When I saw conflict coming, I would either just try and appease her. Like, I'll just say whatever it is to make her happy. And she didn't like that. You'd think she'd like that, but in the end she didn't. Or I would try and um, prove to her why she didn't need to be frustrated with me, right? Nothing like being married to a preacher who's trying to convince you and, and, you know, and prove something to you. That's not happy. Or I just ran from it. I want to avoid her on it until that thing went away. And that's not how I wanted to live. But that was my secret that I keep in from myself. And it created that inner tension. And what I needed was to begin clearing up some of the clutter in my heart. So the question is, how do you do that? How do you get at those things? I want to go back to that verse that I started uh, with here um, in Matthew chapter 11. And if you have your Bibles, maybe just turn to that passage here, because I'm, I'm going to finish out with this passage here. Um, but again, he goes back and he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And think, learn for like, there's something here. Jesus is wanting to teach us how to live, how to live as soul creatures. He says, learn from me. And here's what you're going to learn from Jesus. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. And there are two qualities that he talks about here that we can learn from Jesus to find rest in our souls. Something about his humbleness and something about his gentleness. And, and what I wanna say is there, those two qualities open us up to a way of decluttering our hearts. So before I move on in the application here, I want you to just think for a moment, do you have an idea of maybe one area where your heart is a little cluttered, right? And, and again, there may be a lot of mystery in it, but I bet you feel some tension over it. I bet you feel a lack of energy, a desire to just avoid it. Like what, it, what, it, what part of your heart is that kind of tug of war going on? And then I want you to think about that area of your life as it pertains. And I wanna just walk through three ways that we can begin to just kind of declutter our hearts here, okay? Um, first, humbleness. Let me define humbleness in, in, in this way. Humbleness is that quality of seeing and living as you really are. That's Jesus, right? Sometimes we think of humbleness as just like, oh, I'll just be nothing. I'll just like, I won't. That's false humility, right? True humility is knowing who you are and living out of that. Not trying to be more than you are, right? That's pride and not trying to act like you're less than you are. That's false pride. But saying, this is who I am and knowing it and then living out of that, right? So think back again on that, that passage the, the, in Proverbs where he says, you know, like we are deep waters. Let me read to you the, the other half of that, that simple verse, right? He says, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but catch this, he says, but, one, uh, but the one who has insight draws them out. The person who is growing in humility is drawing out the truth of those deep waters. If humility is really understanding who you are, and saying, I know who I am, and I'm gonna be okay with that. I'm gonna live that out. You have to draw that out because there's some mystery to your heart. I had to do that, right? I was feeling all this tension with Angie and there just came a point where I was just like, okay, this is not okay. I don't wanna live this way, but like what, what in the world is going on? Well, you know, one of the first things you can do to draw out uh, this one, it's, it is, to draw out what you value most. And I mean this in a practical way. I mean, go try to figure out what you value most. You know, one of the things I did as I was thinking about this, um, I started going through a list of values and just saying, I gotta draw, who, who am, what do I value most? I was gonna get a whole list of values for you. But you know, we live in the day of Google. So just Google personal values and you will come up with more lists of personal values you can think of. Start going through those. Go through them in your quiet time and say, God, what do I value most? How did you create me? Can I share a couple of the values that came out as I was kind of processing this thing years ago with Angie? One was authenticity. Another one was risk, right? Um, in fact, one of my deepest values is risk. And what I mean by that is risk is not a reason to not live life, to take on challenges of life. I, like, 
I, and, that should, and I'm not saying that everyone should live that way because some of you won't value risk at all. Some of you will value safety. And that is a beautiful thing. I don't value that, okay? I value risk, but that's how I'm wired. But think about this for a moment. The guy who, who values authenticity and risk was being afraid to be honest about conflict with his wife. That talk about a tug of war within your heart. I wasn't being like, but it was all down there. And all of a sudden, as I started to see that, it's like, oh, no wonder. I'm feeling resentful and no wonder. But you know what? Is I, is I could draw out those deep waters and realize, you know, God made me as someone who values authenticity, values risk. I know what I need to do now. I need to face what I'm afraid of. And I need to start being more, I need to find a way to be more honest about a conflict with Angie and have these conversations. And you know what I learned? Um, she can be mad at me and the sun still comes up the next morning, right? It's just like, I know, you're, and you should laugh at that, right? But you know what? I, there's just a lot of clutter in my heart. And as I got rid of that clutter, right, there'd be moments, uh, you know, I'd rather go on a bear hunt than face Angie being frustrated with me, right? Okay, that's, and that's the truth, okay? But that's me. And as I am understanding that, it's like it brought energy and intimacy into my marriage. What is it for you? What are those values that maybe you have other deep beliefs and it's got you in conflict? Figure that out. Go make a list. Pray through it. Walk through that. Um, second thing, and I'm running out of time here. So let me say this. Second thing, um, draw out one thing that you fear. And the reason I say one thing and not a whole list is if you go uh, sit down in your quiet time and go, okay, what are all the things I'm afraid of? That's, that's not good. Like you'll be like, ah, like you won't want to leave your house that day. Okay. So don't take that. But what's one thing? What's one thing that you are afraid to maybe admit to yourself and just say, God, as I pray about this this morning, help me to see the What's one secret I'm keeping from myself that you want me to see? Let me learn to be honest with that, see? Now, third practical thing you can do to, to declutter your heart. And it gets back to this idea of the gentleness of Christ. You know, gentleness, uh, it is that quality of interacting with kindness, grace, favor, and encouragement without harshness. You know, one of the things that we discover as we take on that yoke of Christ, as we enter into that daily walk and relationship with Christ, the more we know him, the more we realize that whatever we face, whatever our failures are, we have a God who is with us, who encourages us and reshapes our lives without harshness. He is not cruel. He's not shaming. He's not manipulative. Isn't that beautiful about Jesus? And what does Jesus say? He says, take my yoke on you so that that quality of my gentleness becomes your quality. 
And here's why this is so important for decluttering your heart. Because as you begin to draw out the truth of what you see in your heart, it is really easy to go to a place of shame. It is really easy to go to a place to say, what kind of terrible parent am I? That I would put pressure on my kids in a way that my parents did and I made all of these promises not to do that. It's really easy to look at something and go, my gosh, I value you know, authenticity, like truth telling and taking a risk and I'm being dishonest with my spouse about conflict. Like, it's, just, it's really easy to become harsh and thinking that that harshness it will motivate me to be a better human being. That's not how Jesus does it. And what Jesus is saying, take on my gentleness. So as you find those places of clutter and contradiction within your own heart, be gentle with yourself. Don't, don't access your inner critic to try and make those changes in your life. Access Christ within your heart. Access the gentle encourager in you. Give yourself grace and favor and room to make those changes, right? I had to go through this process of saying, okay, I want to run for the hills right now. I'd be in prayer times, literally just like, God, I do not wanna to talk to my wife about this thing because I'm really angry. There'd be moments I'd be angry with Angie about something and I'm just like, no, I'm not gonna tell her I'm angry because that could start a fight. And yet I knew on the inside, I need to say, Angie, I'm kind of angry about this and it'd be really healthy if we talk about this, but I'm terrified to do this. I would have these arguments with myself and God before my, in my quiet times. But in the end, it's just like, if I got harsh with myself, I'd go the wrong direction. But to be able to say, you know what? It's okay. I'm struggling through this and I'm gonna do my best to just take one step to be more honest. And you know what I've discovered is the gentleness of Christ's character in me has done so much more to change and grow me in profound ways than my inner critic has ever done. And I think you'll find the same too. So come back for the rest of this series as together we can take on the heart of Christ and begin decluttering our souls to find energy and, and rest and become more and more the kinds of people we want to become. Let me close us in prayer. Father, I just thank you for just the profound wisdom of scripture and just the beautiful, humble, gentle heart of your son, Jesus Christ. And may those two things guide us forward into becoming all that you have created us to be. And we pray this in your son's name, amen. Have a great morning. See you next week.